0: One of the biggest reasons the Green Bay Packers have won two games in a row is because of their creativity utilizing their personnel. To discuss what they've done, we'll talk to Scott McKenna of the and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. bird central at cheesehead tv i'm your host brian caravu we're talking some packers football this morning we're getting ready for a game against the seattle seahawks on sunday at lambeau field to do that we have a guest joining us on the line this morning expert interview we have scott mckenna of the talk and smack blog joining us as he does the second friday of every month so he's making his monthly engagement on the show scott how you doing today
1: I'm great, Brian. How you doing?
0: Very good. And Scott, if you could indulge me for a moment here. I want to do this at the top of the show. I usually save it for the end, but I want to reach those folks who might tune out at the end of a show. And just for a moment here, talk about our our watch party. I invite all Railbird Central listeners this Sunday, December 11th, 325 p.m. So kickoff of the Packers-Seahawks game. We're going to be at the Krogueville Oasis in Waterloo, Wisconsin. That's just the mailing address, all right? This place is a dive bar in the in the middle of a rural area. It's on County Road O. So you're going to want to get out your, your apps map to get yourself there. But I want to see as many Packers fans there as possible. We're going to fill the Krogue 325 p.m. on Sunday. Please, I, I encourage you folks, go out for a nice Sunday drive. We're going to get all sorts of people. It's a huge game, as I don't need to remind you that. Scott, you'd be there if you lived in Wisconsin, right? Absolutely. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. All right. I want to see you folks at the Krogville Oasis, 325 p.m. Sunday. And with that, we'll dig in here to the show. And And today's theme for this episode is... Uh, creativity the Packers have been doing uh, outside the box thinking however you want to define it they've been doing this in recent weeks and I think this is a big reason they've won their past two games to get back into the playoff race here and stay alive and put themselves in a big position here against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday and Scott I I know you kind of shared these feelings to me before the show, and I want to get your mind on some of these and and let's start on the offensive side of the football. I know you know like uh, the formation they use on offense you think has just been lethal lately could you Can you kind of go through the, the the per the skill position personnel you like with the Green Bay Packers that you think is has been really creative in recent weeks?
1: you know it's been really exciting as uh, we've seen more imagination in the mind of Mike McCarthy over the last 2 weeks and it's been something i think that uh, most fans have wondered where it's been for the last uh, you know 20 some games prior to that but it's been really riveting to see how they've uh, they've added their own sort of thunder and lightning combination with uh, Montgomery and Ripkowski and with uh, with when Montgomery's on the field the packers offense just becomes both faster and more powerful, and it's it's really unique that he's able to himself add that uh, speed power combination, and uh, he's just a tough tough matchup. I don't if you're if you're a a, a corner or a safety on on him he might run through you, and if he's a linebacker he might run around you, and he's just a, he's such a unique mismatch. And what I you know I oftentimes say is that. The NFL is becoming a lot like the NBA in which it's become more of a, miss, a mismatch game, a matchup game. And you look for the mismatches and you really, really attack those, uh, those, uh, those spots on the field. And Montgomery is just an instant mismatch every time he steps out of the field. And I love how there, you know, for, for so long we just were, were seeing it was Adams, it was, um, you know, Cobb, it was Richard Rogers, it was Starks on the field. And uh, there was a, a rotation, whether this year we saw Jordy, uh, you know, last year we saw a combination of guys and it, it just, uh, namely James Jones though was just there. And there was, there was no creativity to the offense. And it just became really stagnant. And all of a sudden you bring in a guy like Ripkowski who, you know, he, he, he looks like he's going to put the ball in the turf every time he carries the ball, but he's yet to, right? So we're feeling okay. But uh, he, he, He's like the toughest guy on the field. And in every time he makes contact, he's falling forward and it's never one defender that's bringing him down. Uh makes you wish he could play inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. But he's just uh he's a bruiser. He uh he's become a weapon out of the backfield. He's adding a d- a dimension that Kuhn brought over the uh the final stretch of the 2010 XLV season. Where it's just his physical presence out of the backfield, and he's not going to be taking plays to the house, but he's always chipping away at the defense and grabbing, you know, three to six to seven yards every single time he touches the ball. And those are the type of plays that wear down a defense. And additionally, we've. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, it really is remarkable what Ripkowski's done. I, I think at this point, he's an upgrade over what John Kuhn did, who was adequate with the football in his hands. But Ripkowski, maybe because he's, you know, a decade younger, he's really good. He can get those yards, like you said, and he... When he gets the ball in his hands, he seeks out contact. He's like, "I'm going to I'm going to be a heat-seeking missile and run you over." And that's how he gets his yards and it really is fun to watch him play right now.
1: He's become he's like quickly becoming a favorite, a fan favorite. And uh you know, you watch him and you you see him on the field and you're like, "I want to see that guy with the ball in his hands," which is unique for a fullback, right?
0: Yeah, I can't believe he didn't do that, uh, you know, more at Oklahoma. I mean, obviously, you give the ball to the halfbacks the majority of the time, but he, like, rarely touched the ball there whatsoever, and he's doing so well here doing that. But I cut you off, Scott. Keep going.
1: No, you're all good, man. It's uh, You know, I, I just say the the thing that's really exciting for me as well is when they put Jared Cook... Um, You know, they can line him up on the outside. He brings that sort of versatility where he's a weapon, unlike Richard Rodgers beating a, you know, a safety or uh, even a fourth cornerback. Or boy, if they ever line up a linebacker outside, which you know I I think could be a mismatch. We see this week when with 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 Wright lining up uh, outside against Cook potentially, and you see Cook take these shots down the down the down the sidelines. And when they're doing that, they're able to move both Jordy and Cobb to the slot, and uh, on the outside, other side of the perimeter, you got Adams. So then, what you've done is you put your best players out on the field, and you've got uh, Montgomery in the backfield and uh, or Ripkowski in the backfield, uh, or mm, these days you could even put the the quickness that Michael adds there too. And you're just you have mismatches all across the board, and hopefully then what you're doing. Is you're making the defense adjust to you. You're not adjusting to the defense, but the defense is then having to adjust to you, and they're having to rotate players in and off the field to try and get matchups right. And uh, what that then allows for is either defense to timeouts or you get Rodgers getting a free play. And you know these are just things that um, they, they they make such a big difference in the overall scope of the game. And what it's allowed for as well is. Our third down conversion rate has increased. And let's face the facts here, Brian. This defense is not going to ever – they're not going to be confused ever with the 1985 Chicago Bears. So how do, you, how do you limit the opposition from scoring points? You have to maintain ball possession. You have to move the sticks. You need long drives. Um, and you got to consistently look across the board as to how can we manage possessions and you're not managing it necessarily by saying how do you get the football in the end zone. You're saying how can we eat clock and how can we pick up, you know, three to four yards each time so that uh, we're we're facing third and three, third and two, and uh, and moving the sticks and keeping the cl- the, ch- the chains moving and our defense off the field. And and that to me is a recipe for how we can uh, um, uh, really try to uh, to prevent uh, the opposition from going out and scoring the 40 points a game that we saw for a small stretch this season.
0: Yeah, I really like this lineup that you alluded to and it you know to an extent it it took a healthy Packers squad to 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 some extent to get this lineup out on the field and it also kind of took injuries to some others to get it out there because it it in the backfield it took injuries to uh Eddie Lacy to get a guy like Ty Montgomery more time back there. Um, but in the fact that you look at Jared cook and he was gone for such a long stretch, but finally he's back. So now you got, like you said, you got cook and Adams on the outside, Cobb and Nelson on the inside in the slot. And then in the backfield, you got Ty Montgomery. If you're passing the football, that is a lethal combination that, that lineup right there, those five skill position players.
1: You know the other thing that's interesting about, the, when you got those five guys out of the field, is even when you're, you, you know, you mentioned, you highlighted the passing out of that lineup, but I think Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson are are just terrific, um, run blocking wide receivers. So if they're getting they're getting themselves in a one on one matchup with somebody uh... that uh, they're as physical as, which you know I, I consider the most physical football players, you know they can they can shield there, and we're seeing. Montgomery run out of that type of formation as well. The, the other thing I like is when you've got that group in the huddle or on the field, you can mix and match them so much where you can see, uh, you know, Nelson can easily step to the outside, as we know. Cobb can step into the backfield. You can uh, swing Montgomery to the outside, and now you've got an empty set with five receivers. Uh, Cook can come into the backfield. Cook can also line up tight to the, t- or to the, to the tackle, so there's just – it gives you so much more versatility than what we've seen in the past where, yeah, you can line Richard Rodgers up and you're not going to scare anybody if you have him out on the perimeter. Or, you know, last year when we saw just the the three wide receiver set that we saw and you knew where everybody was going to be lined up and you knew Lacey was going to be a back in the you know, the single back in the backfield and we were so predictable. And now there's just, you You can watch a game, and as, even as the studious fans that we are, you can look at the formation and not have any idea what the Packers are calling. And I think our level of predicti- predictability is uh, is, is at, a, uh, at a place that we haven't seen in this offense in a long time. And because of it, Rodgers is able to make more decisions at the line of scrimmage, and he's, uh, he's playing once again like an MVP-style quarterback.
0: Um, the guy we haven't mentioned this episode. So we we've talked about all these skill position players, whether it's been receivers, running backs, whatever. But the one guy we haven't mentioned is James Starks. You know, here we are boasting about the backfield, Ty Montgomery and and Aaron Ripkowski. And we're not talking about the, the starter James Starks. And I guess it's, have we gone to the point here, Scott, where James Starks, may not be the starter anymore, even if he is the starter, you know, the guy getting the first series or snap of the game. Are we going to see finally him being phased out to the point where we're seeing more of Montgomery, Ripkowski, even Michael?
1: I would like to believe so. And I understand that there was a stretch where, you know, the Packers were playing starts maybe more than, uh, than the fans would like. But McCarthy wanted to trust his uh, his backfield and he had a lot of guys who hadn't seen significant snaps and uh, you know Montgomery was dealing with some health issues so I, I guess I get it as to why Starts was uh, was seeing so many carries for so long but the, we are just we just are not a dynamic offense with Starts in the backfield he leaves so many yards on the field um, I get that he knows the playbook I get that there's probably a, a higher trust level between Rodgers and Starts than maybe. You know, Niles Davis or Don Jackson when they were back there. It's like you know, it's it just it, it. I see how there was a, a, um, a there was a reason to be playing starts uh, uh, for a short stretch. I wish Montgomery was getting more touches at the time, but I, I think it's become clear and it's become evident that we're just a much better football team when. He's on the sidelines. And, again, this isn't a knock towards James Starks. Without him, we don't win the XLV Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we're maybe looking at Rodgers and McCarthy and Thompson's era in a completely different light. So we're forever grateful, but it just seems like time has passed us by there.
0: Let's switch to the defensive side of the football and and the Packers have gotten creative on this side as well. And a lot of it, again, out of necessity where injuries have, have kind of forced the Packers hands, but I wanted to start um, in the secondary, or I, I don't even know if you want to consider this the secondary, but Morgan Burnett and how he's been kind of used as a linebacker here in recent weeks. And it, you know, there was a lot of talk about this in, in during training camp that the Packers were doing this. You saw it on training camp. And then Morgan Burnett was hurt uh, for a while at the end of training camp, the beginning of the season. It kind of got put into mothballs for a while. But now that he's been healthy now for several weeks, for quite a while, um, it, it's back. And it's, it's because, you know, Jake Ryan was hurt and Clay Matthews was hurt and, and Blake Martinez was hurt and Burnett had to fill in. But it's working for the Packers.
1: It really is. And, you know, the the, the best thing is, is you're getting your, your, in my opinion, your best 11 players on the field there. And, you know, I'll, I'll say you're getting faster. And in a game like this, this weekend, where, you know, speed is going to win and uh, you, you need to be able to contain uh, Russell Wilson, you need to be able to contain Rawls. Lockett is just ever the threat every time he touches the football. Um, you know Jimmy Graham is finally comfortable in Seattle. So what do you got to do? You got to you got to make sure you've got speed on uh, on the field. And I think that when you put Burnett in the uh, um, in you know at uh, uh, inside linebacker, surprisingly he's made a couple of plays in the run game there. One I think even was a tackle for loss. Uh, but additionally, what it does is it helps your pass defense. And uh, you're getting you're getting uh, uh, you're finding a way to get uh, you know Gunter and Randall and and and, um, and and Burnett and Hyde and Rollins all in the field along with Haha, and you know you, you're you've got more more people that are, are more apt to uh, to defend the pass, and uh, especially it feels like the tight end. It seems like we've uh, you know I know we gave up a touchdown last week to the tight end on a, a fourth down play a fourth and one, but it seems like as a whole we've been able to defend the tight end a little bit better um, uh, when he's on the field at an inside linebacker position. So I, I just think from a matchup perspective and the way that the NFL is being played right now, it seems to me like our best lineup is if we can go beefy up front and we've got Peppers and Jones on the outside right now with Terry's injury, and you you do the rotation of Clark and Daniels and Guyon and Lowry in the middle, and then you got Matthews and, and Burnett Roman behind, which I'd like to see a little bit more of that, because uh, you can you can act as though you're in a base defense, but you've also got people that can drop into coverage, and it just adds so much speed and so much versatility to the defense. And I don't think you're sacrificing placing much physicality either, because you should be able to shield those two inside linebackers with the power you got at the defensive line, and it's. Uh, I don't know, it's uh, clearly the defense has played a little bit better over the last 2 weeks, uh, you know, giving up 13 points and uh, uh, forcing a turnover and also getting uh, uh some pressure on the quarterback and, and and I certainly think that the versatility that um, uh, in the rotations and the packages of personnel that Capers has used has aided to our success.
0: Now, well, speaking of pressure from the back 7 of the defense to the front 7 here, um, the Packers again had to get creative this this past week when you know Matthews was limited, and now we've got Nick Perry who's got the uh hand injury he in fact we can do our Packers News of the Day segment here. Nick Perry has been ruled out for this week and and maybe more they're they're not willing to commit beyond this week, but we know he's not going to play against the Seahawks, but what that means for the Green Bay Packers is this past week they've had to. Uh, play with a higher dose of Julius Peppers at one of the outside linebacker elephant end positions. And then you've got a guy like Dayton Jones, who's kind of been switching between defensive end and edge defender. Scott, uh, you know, can you kind of uh, elaborate on on what the Packers have been doing and what they need to do here?
1: Well, you know, it's been interesting because uh, first and foremost, Boy, I, I really hope uh, I, I Nick Perry gets healthy. He's just had such a—he's a, been such a stallion this year, and it, it's really, really, really hard for me to envision a scenario in which the Green Bay Packers can uh, go on a uh, um, an absolutely glorious run here uh, to cap the season. However, you wanted to define that—that that, uh, you know, I, I'm always of the belief that the Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. It's just the way I'm wired. But uh, in, in without without uh, Nick Perry, he is, it's really tough to imagine that happening. So speedy recovery to Nick Perry, please. But uh, you know, we've we've really been uh, we've I think the biggest thing to highlight here is that you know there was all this questioning about Julius Peppers and retiring and playing time, and uh, ultimately, you know, the funniest thing is is I think you and I talked about this a number of times before the season, and maybe even in the in in you know September as well where they, the Packers did a really good job managing Peppers' snaps and ensuring that he was healthy, he was fit, he was feeling youthful exuberance um, when we got to the, the final stretch of the season. Now, I think that they've even had to push up his playing time a couple of weeks because the urgency has increased uh, has around <laughs> 12-65. I mean, we've dug the hole pretty darn deep. But, uh, uh, you know, you see what Peppers is, uh, has, has done over the last couple of weeks. Each and every week he's making a play. And it really feels like, um, you know, maybe not this week, but uh, in the coming weeks, with uh, when you got uh, more, more, more quarterbacks who are going to be stand in the pocket type guys, I, you, you just get the feeling that Peppers has a big turnover coming his way. And uh, um, you know, you 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 look at what Dayton Jones has uh, has also what he added last week. If he can be that pursuant, uh and that physical, and uh, provide that type of energy. Uh, on the edge, he really stepped in and did just just a fantastic job, I thought, in the uh, the Texans game. And then, additionally, it was in it was interesting to me to see J. Rowan Elliott added into in, into the mix. And he you know he seemed to be passed by Zachary on the depth chart. Zachary now you know dealing with an injury as well. But what I've really liked is Elliott dropping it into coverage has been um, he's he's been a, a distractor. He's been getting his arms up. He's um, you know he's made a passing lanes difficult for uh for quarterbacks i've felt as he's dropped into coverage but we need to see Jaron Elliot elliott finish the season the way he's started preseasons over you know the two years prior to this season and this could really be a career defining time for Jaron J. elliott right now um with Matthews's shoulder injury and clearly he's not healthy elliott is needed as a pass rusher and he's needed inside the rotation so um, you know, I'm, I uh, I look again at the way that uh, Capers is trying to get creative with the tools that he's got inside his tool belt, and uh, you know it's up to our uh, to our depth here to continue to make plays as they have over the last two weeks.
0: All right, so we we've talked about what the backers have done over the past two weeks here, like you said. Now it's time to look forward to what they got on Sunday. Scott, can you kind of give me your your analysis and your prediction for what's going to happen this upcoming Sunday as the Seahawks try to bring the eleventh man to Lambeau Field? I
1: I, I can't uh, I can't start this uh, this type of question without bringing it to the fans, and this is where the get loud Lambeau thing has to it has to resonate. Our, like, our answer
0: to, make- to the eleventh man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: exactly. Or the twelfth man, right? 12th, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. My, it, my bad. It, Correct.
1: It, no. Good, no worries. It's the the Gettler Lambo campaign has to take off this weekend, and uh, you know it's been really highlighted Monday Morning Quarterback uh, through Sports Illustrated Peter King's group, really doing a great job this week in Green Bay and, and highlighting the tight knit community that is you know Town USA. Town, USA, it's a time for us to to elevate, get off your ass and on your feet and make some noise. And and, uh, and remember that when the weather gets cold, the way to keep the blood churning is to stand up and jump around and make some noise. Let's get rowdy. And it needs to be a day that the Packer fans help create a celebration at Lambeau Field. Um, We need to make it difficult. This is a very, very, very average to below average Seattle Seahawks offensive line. And if you step into a rowdy environment, what happens? You get false starts. You get uh, timeouts used early in the game. Those two timeouts, the Texans had to burn last week. You think they wanted them in the last three minutes of that game? They absolutely did. And uh, that's sort of that's sort of the home field advantage thing that can be added, um, you know, when you get late in the year. So it's really important for the crowd to rise up and uh, to be back in their seats, you know, to start the third quarter, so we don't have that lull that can oftentimes have when a road team gets the football early in the third quarter and people are still getting back from the concession stands, right? So I I really think the fans can make a huge difference in this football game and truly bringing emotion and keeping this team elevated in what has become just an absolute must-win game. I think the Packers match up well with the Seahawks. I think our defensive line should be able to beat up the, the Seattle, uh, um, um, you know, offensive line. I think if uh, we keep using the the speed uh, that we have uh, and, and play with speed at defense using Clay Matthews at inside linebacker, I think that can neutralize some of the uh, the attributes that Rawls can bring to you. Uh, I also think that if, if Clay is playing inside linebacker, you can use him as sort of a shadow to Russell Wilson. Um, it uh, which will also limit his contact because his shoulders is bothering him. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I think even on the outside, you look at the way Gunter can match up with the Curse. I like that matchup. I like the way that uh, that uh, uh, Randall can uh, can play with uh, with Baldwin. They're similar styles. And Rollins, the way he matches up with Lockett. I think that there's a there's a good matchup for uh, uh you know th- right there. I will say the one thing that really will be of interest to me, not just this week but but beyond, is if the Green Bay Packers are gonna be able to, you know, finish this uh this this season on a six and all regular season run which might be required in order to make up the playoffs, they're going to need to defend the tight end. And uh you know, that's gonna fall on Morgan Burnett and possibly Micah Hyde. And uh that's gonna be the most interesting matchup I think for this week is how do the Packers try to defend Jimmy Graham this weekend? Um, and uh, I, I think for the most part the Packers are going to um, be able to to limit the success down the field for Seattle. I think they're going to be able to get off the field. I think with uh, a cooler temperature is expected that's in the Packers favor um, and then offensively I, I, I definitely uh, I definitely think that we've got some some advantages with uh, with Earl Thomas off the field. I uh, um, I think that that uh, lightens the load for the Packers and, and uh, as far as people that they have to be aware of uh, who can make those game-changing plays. And I think that ultimately if we're going to see Jared Cook make a big play down the sidelines uh, late in the game that's going to be a, a difference-making play uh, that uh, that should propel the Packers to, uh, to a victory. I have 23-20 Green Bay. And I will say one last thing you know with all this stuff that has has really felt uh, where we felt like the packers have been uh, um defensively just a, a a really interesting unit this year where at the beginning of the year it seemed like we could win with defense and then we became like the worst defense in the NFL and uh we're doing things that were uh levels for putridity in the in the history of the NFL the for the Green- for putridity. go ahead. <laughs> right it's uh, of, of uh, you know, for the history of the Green Bay Packers. With, with that said, over the last two weeks, the Packers have played with the recipe that can make this team a, a, a title contender. And why I say that is that this doesn't need to be a team that's giving up or, or that is limiting teams to less than 300 yards. What they need to be is a team that can apply pressure on the quarterback and that can, can force a turnover or two a game that that generally will translate into points. And uh, they've they've essentially done that the last two weeks. And uh, I know that we didn't get points off the turnover. Rodgers fumbles the ball in third and one from the two-yard line. But it was a a game-changing play. It was a tempo-setting play. And if we can see that same sort of activity this week, I feel really, really good about the opportunity for the Green Bay Packers to win the football game.
0: Sounds good to me, Scott. Thank you so much for taking some time to jo- join us this morning. You join us the second Friday of every month. By the time we talk again in January, I'm hoping we're talking about a playoff appearance for the Green Bay Packers. So we got one more opportunity to talk with with maybe the Packers still alive. So we'll see then.
1: Go Pack, go, Brian. Great. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. Take care. Scott McKenna joining us from the talking smack log here on a friday morning helping to preview the Packers seahawks game uh we've all we're already almost at nine o'clock a.m central time so we'll just briefly get into uh my two cents here uh now that we've allowed scott to to go um but okay so my prediction for the show here and, and just let me say uh, let me start up by giving a key to the game i don't I don't know if this is the key to the game, but you know between what Scott and I talked about already we you know we spend ninety five percent of the show talking about offense and defense, so I just wanted to spend a minute here to talk about Packer's special teams, and you know Scott alluded to Tyler Lockett uh of the Seahawks, kind of on offense being a weapon. But of course, also Lockett is, you know, one of the most dangerous return men in the NFL. And this probably doesn't get as much attention on this show as it should, or anywhere for that matter. Really kind of a regression of the Packers special teams this year. And I'm talking about the coverage units. I've kind of found this disappointing this year, to tell you the truth. Uh, because I thought that the special teams in the first year under coordinator Ron Zook really took a step forward, especially things like, like coverage. And I thought kind of the Packers' philosophy that they you know like to go so young every year is that they got a lot of these undrafted rookies playing on, on special teams and things like that. And they do have that this year. I don't understand why they're not better when you've guys got guys like concentrating on, on special teams like um, uh, Kentrell Bryce, like Josh Hawkins, like Kyler Fackrell when he was healthy. Uh, you've got so many of these guys who are really focusing on special teams like Jeff Janis, um, and we haven't got that performance out of them this year. And the Packers really going to need to do so on Sunday To contain Lockett, Uh, you know, and it's going to be a game that's hovering right around the freezing level. So, you know, it's not going to be a zero-degree game out there. Uh, The turf is going to be, you know, the guys are still going to be able to run out there. Yeah, there's going to be some footing issues here and there. But again, not like it's zero degrees, not like the ground is completely 100% rock yet. Um, if it's hovering around freezing, there there may be a little give and maybe a little footing out there, and that's why it's important to contain a guy like Tyler Lockett both on kicks and on punts um, for for this Green Bay Packers team. These guys got to start stepping up uh, and and start playing to a better level on the coverage units that have been. Uh, subpar Uh, you know they they haven't been terrible they're they're not the worst unit in the NFL Uh, but guys like you know I I I just expected more out of Jeff Janis Kentrell Bryce Josh Hawkins Kyler Fackrell uh, on these coverage units on special teams Uh, a guy like Carl Bradford now this that's almost his exclusive role on the team these guys got to start being good at this and they were last year I just don't get it I mean was was Chris Banjo, you know, that big of a factor that they're missing him now? Uh, I, it shouldn't be that way. Chris Banjo was great. He was good. You know, I loved Chris Banjo, but there's no reason he alone should be the reason for a, a decline on the Packers special team. So there's there's a key to the game as we, you know, like I said, want to give some credence to, to special teams here. Um, You know, the thing that gives me hope for this game for the Packers is A, the earl thomas injury and and like scott said i think the packers can take advantage of that at least to an extent and b the loss that the seattle seahawks had to the tampa bay buccaneers a few weeks ago but you know this uh, here here's where i you know kind of take the green and gold glasses off for a moment and i'm glad scott was here to equal it out um you, you know the seahawks have rebounded they put up 40 points on the carolina panthers last sunday Ultimately, I think the Seahawks utilize their skill position players, which I really like. I really, like Scott said, their offensive line is, is probably the, the weak link on the team. But I do think they have good skill position talent. Uh, I like what Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, Thomas Rawls, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse. what they offer. Uh, they, they can get things done. And ultimately, as well, I think they come. the The Seahawks defense comes up with a big stop late in the game. That'll be the difference. They're not going to stop the Packers cold, but they'll come up with a big stop in the in a situation that will thwart a Packers drive. So, my final score. I'm sorry to do this, folks. Twenty nine, twenty four. Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but by all means, as I as I. Do this every week. Don't listen to me. Listen to Scott. He he brought the optimism. Uh, I'm just bringing what my head tells me here and what I've seen out of both the Seahawks and the Packers this year. I hope I'm wrong, as I usually do as a Packers fan. I want the Packers to win. You have no clue. I want the Packers to win. I'm not sitting there cheering against them. Uh, I just try to bring an unbiased view. I attempt to do so. I uh, hope you can appreciate that and still appreciate the fandom as well. I'll be cheering them on. And again, uh, you, can, you can see it in person, me cheering them on this weekend. So again, if you're not doing anything Sunday, or even if you are, make, change your plans and come out instead. Instead of watching the game at home or wherever you usually do, come out to the Krogville Oasis on Sunday, 3.25 p.m. kickoff, Packers-Seahawks. We're going to get grouped together. We're going to cheer on the Packers. And like I've warned before, don't worry. There's no cover charge or anything like that. It is just Packers fans uh, getting together to cheer on the team. Yeah, everybody will be on their own, picking up their own tab for beers, whatever. And the Kroegville Oasis is great, folks. It's got this place. These It's known for its Bloody Marys. Go get that. They got the special on chicken wings out there. Uh, we talked to them we're, we're that told them that we're going to bring a group out there. So it should be a good experience. We're going to pack the place to the gills, I hope, and, uh, have a good time on Sunday. So I hope to see you there folks. Come on out. Uh, I'll be there and other Railbird central listeners are going to be there and we're going to have a good old time. So we'll see you later folks. Have a good Friday, have a good weekend. Let's cheer this team on to a win on Sunday. Um, and, um, hopefully continue the playoff drive, and we're talking about a win on Monday, which will be the next episode of Railbirth Central, which airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. That's it, folks. I'm out of here. We'll see ya. Have a good weekend. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirivu. I leave you today with a song called Freaker by the Speaker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. Go pack. Go. <laughs>
1: Human trade.
0: i